Good morning. I think, I think we call this second winter, third winter, something to that effect. Um, it's great to be with you today. We've started this series um, called Ready, and um, last week I shared a message about the rapture, and I'm going to kind of continue um, a little bit chronologically, but but not not um, um, not we're not going to do a step by step study of the book of Revelation, but um, but I'd like to share a message that I've entitled this morning, uh, the Great Tribulation. And what I'd like to do is I'd like to start out and ask you. Um, to imagine something. Now, for some of you, the, the, the idea of imagining the rapture may not be too far from you because you, you may, in your lifetime, you may um, have imagined or thought that the rapture actually took place. When I was a teenager, I can remember getting home from school one day and my mother was supposed to be home. And, and it just didn't, something didn't seem right, you know. I don't know what it was, um, you know. She didn't drink coffee, but, you know, it would have been a, a steaming cup of coffee on the counter and mom's nowhere to be seen. You know what I'm talking about? Something just didn't feel right. And I remember being overwhelmed with the thought, did I miss the rapture? And so I thought, what can I do? This was before the days of cell phones, okay? Long before the days of cell phones. So you had to, if you were going to communicate with somebody you, by phone, you had to know that they were going to be there because otherwise you're just taking a stab at it, right? So I thought, who can I call? And I thought, I'll call my youth pastor. He's at the office, and I'm sure I can get a hold of him. And the moment I heard his voice, I was like, yes, I didn't miss the rapture. And the funny thing is that years later, as a youth pastor, I got some of those phone calls. And they actually told me after the fact that that was why I got those phone calls. Why? Because people can be concerned that they are going to miss Jesus' return. But I want you to imagine for a moment, I want you to imagine... I want you to think of every Christian on earth at this moment, okay? Now, I'm just going to pick a, a, let's pick a number. Let's, let's say 20% of the, the, the earth's population. I don't, I don't know that that's the case, but let's just say that that's, that is the case. 20% of the earth's population gone. So over a billion people gone instantly. Think of the response, okay? Think of <clears throat> how many people are going to be turning on the news to see what, what has happened. They're going to be searching the internet. They are going to be looking. They want to know. And in today's world, I mean, you, you, would, have, you would have video uploads you know, from all over the world. You would, you would be able to tell exactly that something is, is going on, even if you can't describe it. But think of the chaos. Think of the chaos. 
Think of the confusion. Think of the, the fear um, that, that would happen, the panic that would ensue. And, and then, and I, I, you know, I don't, I don't want to. I don't want to go down any rabbit holes. But think of how even the governments of the world would respond within within moments. Th- just think of it, this. This would be. This would literally. It would. It would. It would. It would grab the entire world instantly. Okay, and um, and this is that that moment. Okay. Um, and there's different there's different um, theological perspectives, and I'm not here to debate, you know, one over the other. But but uh, that is in essence the beginning of the tribulation. That's what we're talking about. So in the the moment that the rapture happens, we are ushered into a period of time and and there's there's some people believe in in you know pre-rapture uh pre-tribulation rapture there's some who believe mid-tribulation rapture some even believe post-tribulation rapture some people believe in rapture uh not not at all our fellowship officially believes in a pre-tribulation rapture and so as we look at that happening um some people they they've asked about you know is this the end of the world or or maybe they would even say is the rapture the end of the world and and the the realization is that the rapture is not the end of the world it's the beginning of the end there's a lot of things that the bible says will happen in those days and so i want us to look at those things and and the bible makes it very clear that no man not the angels in heaven not jesus the son of god himself none know the hour of jesus return the father will say okay son it's time to go get him no one else knows the hour of the lord's return but the tribulation is very different the 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 book much of the book of revelation is about the tribulation and it gives uh very specific even aspects about the timing of the tribulation in the book of revelation and so unlike the rapture no one knows the tribulation we are given that so that we can have an idea, so that we can know, so that someone going through it can say, aha, this is, is what's happening. So, and I want you to understand that the Bible does not, uh, does not talk about the rapture or the tribulation to cause fear in you. That is not the purpose. The purpose of, of the book of Revelation is to correct. Think of the first um, six or so chapters, five or six chapters, talking to the churches of, of, of Asia Minor, okay? Talking about them and correcting issues. Now, some of them, God says, hey, I, I really applaud this in you, but I have this against you. It's corrective in nature to the church, but it's also 
um, designed to encourage. Remember what Paul said? He said, encourage each other with these words when he was talking about the return of Jesus. And so there's an encouragement factor, there's a corrective factor, and there's a warning factor. God is sending a warning to the world that these things are going to happen. So today what I'd like to look at is four things that the Bible tells us about the tribulation that I think that we should really pay attention to. The first one is this, the rise of the Antichrist. Now, the tribulation is talked about in Scripture as a seven-year period of time. And uh, it's, it's a, a period that you can build other cases, but for today, for the sake of argument, we're going to say uh, commencing following the rapture. Um, it is during this time that the Antichrist is revealed. John, uh, the, the apostle, he wrote... Um, he wrote the book of John, he wrote 1st, 2nd, 3rd John, and he wrote Revelation. And in 1st John chapter 2, verse 18, he writes this. He said, dear children, this is the last hour. Remember, we talked about the church believed that Jesus was coming back in their lifetime. This is the last hour. And as you have heard, the Antichrist is coming even though, or even now, many antichrists have come, this is how we know it is the last hour. This person that, that John talks about as the antichrist, and there are others who are antichrist, but he sets apart this one who is known as the antichrist. Um, in, in, in scripture, he's also referred to as the man of lawlessness who is doomed to destruction. And throughout the book of Revelation, John calls him the beast and, and several other names, but all of them uh, containing the name beast. And we look at Revelation chapter 6 through chapter 16, and what we read is God judging the earth. And in the process of that judgment, um, the, the book of Revelation, it talks about seals, it talks about trumpets, it talks about bowls. These are each judgments that God has prophesied over the earth. And he is warning us that these things are coming to the earth. And the first one is in seal number one talks about a white horse and it talks about someone with a crown, but we are not talking about Jesus, we are talking about this person, the Antichrist, that he will be coming on the scene during the tribulation. Now, as we go forward in these, uh, these prophetic words, um, we're told in, in, in the seals that, that there will be a world war. There will be no peace that, that happens um, during the earth at this time. Um, that there will be great suffering, that there will be great famine that takes place. Now, what happens when you mess with people's food? Okay, we've seen what happens if you mess with toilet paper, right? We've seen what happens uh, if you mess with their gas. Now, I don't know if it's real, but there have been pictures circulated on Facebook of people filling um, uh, like a, a, a plastic shopping bag with gas uh, recently. Now, if that's real, I mean, we are, we're, we're in big trouble. I mean, because we're just stupid, okay? But imagine 
what's going to happen with our economic system. Inflation is going to go crazy. Okay? It's going to go crazy. And, there's, there, and, and Revelation talks about it, that literally the cost of things will, will just go completely uh, berserk. We know that during this time, that the pale horse, the rider on the pale horse is death and will be given the authority uh, to, to destroy uh, a quarter of the earth's population. And so that is, a, I mean, if, if we look at a, a population of six or seven billion right now on the earth, we're talking a billion and a half people or more. So this is a huge, imagine, imagine this sort of a, of a number and imagine it following the rapture of the church where it could be another billion. We could, we could be talking about two billion people in a very small uh, window of time. Uh, saints that, that, are, uh, that are still in the world at that time who come to Jesus during the tribulation will be martyred during uh, this time. I'll talk more about that in just a moment. Uh, there's going to be great earthquakes and people will literally desire the mountains to fall on them. And then in the trumpets, a third of the earth's vegetation and the earth itself will be burned. Also, a third of the sea creatures and all of the ships uh, will be destroyed. A meteor will fall to the earth and a, uh, a third of, of our fresh water sources will turn bitter and will produce death. Um, and then there's a third less light in the moon, the sun, and the stars. There's a plague of locusts and scorpions. People will literally seek death. In the trumpets, there's a, a, a prophecy of a third, uh, a third of mankind once again being killed. So we see this compounding in these judgments. Um, and then in the, in the bowl prophecies, there are painful sores on all who accept the mark of the beast. The sea will turn to blood and everything in the sea will die, that the rivers and springs will turn to blood, that the sun will become able to scorch human flesh like never before, that, the, that darkness will literally overtake the kingdom of the Antichrist, and then demon spirits will gather all the kings of the earth against the people of Israel. And finally, it talks about an earthquake that is so significant that it is so, it, 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 there's no other earthquake that has ever happened in the history of the world like this earthquake, and that there will be a storm where 100 pound hailstones will fall. Now, think of what will happen to the earth as this kind of a result the entire world system will collapse. The financial system will collapse. Governments will collapse. And the Antichrist will be used as a tool for God's judgment on the earth. Now, the good news that I, I want to remind you is that as believers, Jesus said, I'm coming back for you. And if I come back for you, I'm going to take you to be with me. And so the, the rapture, I believe, is going to happen before these things happen. 
I'm not, I don't have to base my salvation on it, but I can interpret scripture that way. And so God says, I want you to receive this promise of Jesus coming back so that you don't have to suffer and go through these things. That's the good news. But I also want you to understand, because many people would say, why would God do these things to the earth? And the answer is that since Adam and Eve, the the earth has been under a curse of sin, and God is going to punish that sin. You know, there's been a lot of people saying, listen, if God was going to punish sin, he'd have done it a long time ago. Remember what Peter said in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9, he's speaking of Uh, the judgment of God. And here's what he says. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise as some understand slowness. In other words, God has said he's gonna judge the world and don't think he's not going to just because he hasn't. He is going to do it. But look at this. He said, instead he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance that even as God warns us about the Antichrist coming, even as he warns us about all the judgment that is going to come on the earth during the reign of the Antichrist, he is telling us that he has been patient and is currently being patient with us. Because his desire is that no one would perish, but that everyone would come to repentance. But during the Antichrist, I want you to know that, or excuse me, during the tribulation, the Antichrist will rise to power. Next, I want to talk to you about something that we don't think about a lot. We think about the great tribulation, but what about the great harvest? The Bible talks about a harvest that will take place. In Revelation chapter 11, verse 3, <clears throat> God says, I will appoint my two witnesses and they will prophesy for 1,260 days clothed in sackcloth. God has said, I'm going to appoint two witnesses. Now, witnesses are those that declare that they have seen and that they believe what God has done. And these two witnesses are going to be endued with supernatural power, the powers of Moses and Elijah, the Bible says. And they will declare that God is the only answer. They will declare Jesus Christ to the world. And the Bible says that their ministry will last a mere three and a half years. And during that three and a half years, many people will come to know Jesus as a result of what those witnesses say. Revelation chapter 7 and verse 4 tells us that God has placed his seal on the heads, in particular, of 144,000 Jews. And that those Jews, along with the witnesses, they will proclaim Christ to the world during the tribulation. Revelation chapter 7, verse 9, John says this, uh, after I looked, and remember, John is, has been caught up into the third heaven. He's having a vision. He said, after this I looked, and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb, and they were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. 
Now, this is a, 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 a picture of what John saw in heaven. And it's, it's a picture that should excite us as believers. Um, the number is so great that it can't even be counted. It, they're people from every nation, from every tribe, from every language. And I want you to realize we've got to go down to verse 13 there in Revelation 7 that these are a specific people that he's talking about. He says in verse 13, then one of the elders asked me, referring to the 24 elders, these in white robes, who are they and where did they come from? I answered, sir, you know. And he said, these are they who have come out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. These people from every nation, every tribe, every language, the number that is so great that it can't, they can't even be counted, they are those who have been saved during the tribulation. There is going to be a harvest that takes place in the, in the, the tribulation. There are many people say, you know, the church has never done any better in its, in its lifetime than when it's, it goes through tribulation. The, the greater the hardship, the, the more the church survives. And the worst thing that could ever happen to the church is that the church would have it easy. And here in America, we have to admit that the church has it pretty easy. It's a lot different than what the church experiences, let's say, in China. When the church suffers, there is something that happens. So these are the believers who get saved during the tribulation. The gospel is going to preach, be preached and those who accept it will rise again. Look at Revelation chapter 20, the second half of verse 4. He said, I saw the souls of those who had been beheaded because of their testimony about Jesus and because of the word of God. They had not worshipped the beast or its image and had not received its mark on their foreheads or their hands. They came to life and reigned with Christ a thousand years. What we read here is that during the tribulation, when you accept Christ as your Savior, what's going to happen is the, the pain and the suffering of the tribulation is going to become so great and the control of the Antichrist is going to be so complete that those who accept Jesus as their Savior during the tribulation, it will cost them everything. And you would think, Man, nobody's going to sign up for that. But they will know that Jesus is the only answer. And they will follow Christ, even though it costs them everything. And they will not follow the Antichrist or the beast. And they will be martyred for their faith. Years ago, I remember a, an extended family member saying to us, you know, all I need is that second chance. If the rapture happens, I'm going to know that this is all real. It's all true. And so then I'll have this second chance during the tribulation, and I'll be able to accept Christ and live for Christ. And I say this to that. 
If you can't accept Christ and have the faith to believe that he is who he says he was now, in the greatest nation on earth where Christians have had it easier than they've ever had it, how do you expect to live for him during the tribulation, the greatest chaos that the world has ever known, and pay for that with your very life? Chances are pretty good that you're not going to be able to do that or not be willing to do that. The third thing I want us to look at is called the abomination of desolation. The Antichrist is going to begin as just another world leader, but he's the guy with the answers. When, when the rapture happens, how are they going to figure out who's gone and who's still here? Somebody's going to have to have some answers. And, and we've seen, okay, we've, we've witnessed in the last year that, this, that the world does not have good answers. I mean, let's be honest. We have faced a crisis in, in the world, and the, the world does not possess good answers. And what's going to happen is after the rapture takes place, somebody is going to have some really good answers, and everybody else is going to go, that's the guy. We need to listen to him. And his influence is going to begin to grow. And the Bible says that at some point, the dragon or Satan will give the Antichrist all of his authority, all of his power. And so in this human being will reside the power and the authority of Satan himself. He will not be Satan, but he will have that authority and that power. And his authority from that point on will last for three and a half years. Daniel chapter 9, verse 27, says he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to, the, to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple... He will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out for him. Scholars believe that the Antichrist at some point during the tribulation will sign a treaty with Israel. And that treaty is going to be about land. Now, if you, if you watch the news, and it doesn't matter what channel you watch, in, in fact, if memory serves me correctly, if, uh, there, there are cable stations that carry news that's just Israeli news, okay? But it doesn't matter. American news, it doesn't matter. What are they talking about right now? They're talking about the fact that Palestine has been shooting uh, rockets into Israel, right? They're talking about the fact that the Palestines want to eliminate and destroy Israel. That, that Israel does not deserve to have that land. That that land belongs to the Palestinians and they are still fighting over that land. And they want to destroy Israel as a nation. Friends, this shows us the direction that the world is heading and it's not going to uh, stay at the level that it's at. It's going to continue to ramp up. Even now, our own nation is struggling to say we support Israel. It's, it's a very weak kind of support. 
And what's going to happen, and I've already read about it uh, to earlier in one of our verses, that, that literally that's going to get to the point where the entire world is lined up against Israel. But the Antichrist is going to put an end to the sacrifices that, were, that are happening in the temple in Jerusalem. These would be sacrifices that would be very similar to the Old Testament sacrifices that we've read about so much. And after he puts a stop to those sacrifices, he will set himself up in the temple to be worshipped as God. Not a God, but God. It's called the abomination of desolation. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way, for that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed, the man doomed to destruction. He will oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple, proclaiming himself to be God. The scripture indicates that at that moment, we know that the tribulation has reached the halfway point and that there's another three and a half years that must take place. God is not keeping this a secret. It's a warning that he offers. I'll say it to the church, but not limited to the church, to the world, to those who have accepted Christ during the tribulation. And finally, number four, the mark of the beast. Our world has seen incredible suffering. We, we don't really understand suffering. Our world has seen what, what real suffering is. The 1920s, almost two million Armenians are killed in Turkey trying to eliminate that race. In the 1860s, two and a half million or 90 plus percent circassians are killed, trying to eliminate that entire race from the earth. In the 70s, three million Cambodians are killed. They, they wanted to put Cambodia so far back that, that they could never climb out of that hole. If you had glasses, you were killed because you were considered smart. Bad eyes was a reason to kill somebody. If we look at the, the 1940s, and I can't, I can't give you an accurate number, but... Conservative numbers would be that in Germany, six million Jews were killed in the, in the Nazi death camps. If that number is expanded to all of Europe, it could, be, it could easily reach over 10 million people. If we want to look at what real suffering on the face of the earth would, would, would like, it would be in a place like Auschwitz. It would be in the, the Nazi death camps. That would be the greatest example. And I want you to know that the Bible says, Jesus said in Matthew 24, 21, for then, meaning in the tribulation, 
there will be a great distress unequaled from the beginning of the world until now and never to be equaled again. That's the kind of suffering that will happen. Let's say a million believers taken. Let's say that the pale the, the rider and the pale horse with the authority to death kills another billion. Let's say the numbers, I, I can't even give you a number for those that will be martyred for their faith. Trumpet number six says that, that a third of the earth's population will be killed. Who can even add these numbers? They are billions of people that will be taken or killed. A significant portion of the earth's population is gone. The world is going to look for a leader that has answers, a leader that will lead them out of chaos and he will be empowered by Satan as he takes over. Revelation 13, verse 16 to 18, it says, it also forced all people, great and small, rich and poor, free and slave, to receive a mark on their right hands or on their foreheads so that they could not buy or sell unless they had the mark, which is the name of the beast or the number of its name. This calls for wisdom. Let the person who has insight calculate the number of the beast for it is a number, the number of a man. That number is 666. At this time, the Antichrist will demand to be worshiped and you need to take his number and if you do not worship him and if you do not take his number, you will pay with your life. The only ones that won't refuse are the ones that know that Jesus is the answer and they're gonna refuse to bow their knee to the beast. The ones that worship him are the ones that will take his number and their names will not be included in the Lamb's book of life. Remember, the Bible says that only those whose names are in the Lamb's book of life will go to heaven. This is a lot of heavy stuff. But I want to tell you that God has reminded us. Jesus said in John 14... I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I'm going to come back and get you so you can be with me in heaven. That's what he says. The Bible tells us that when Jesus takes us away from this earth, that we're going to begin a celebration that Revelation 19 verse 9 calls the marriage supper of the Lamb. And we are going to be in a celebration with Jesus. I have to say that some of my favorite celebrations are wedding celebrations. Man, it's, it's good food. Ray, you guys have put on a lot of those in your lifetime. <laughs> Three fantastic ones. It's a great celebration. The wedding celebration of the Lamb because we're his bride and we've been brought together with him for all eternity. Even in the midst of the suffering of the tribulation, there's going to be a harvest. Why? Because God is being patient.
with us. And he wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. Yes, these are heavy things. Somebody could even say they're scary things. God didn't, didn't give it to us to scare us. He, 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 he's given us this knowledge to understand why. So that we can be prepared, so that we can be ready, so that we can warn others, so that the church can even receive correction. Would you bow your heads with me? Father, as we have looked at these events in the book of Revelation, spoken of even as far back as Daniel in the Old Testament, as we've looked at the words that Jesus has shared and Paul has spoken, other things that the Apostle John has shared, Father, my, my objective is not to create a timeline, but to simply sufficiently warn the body of Christ to be ready. And Father, I, I know that, man, we've, we've heard your gospel, we've heard your word, and yet it is hard sometimes to think if Jesus has taken 2,000 years to come and they thought he was coming back then, when is he actually gonna come? I pray today Lord, that you would put a fire in our hearts to live ready for the return of Jesus and that we would be able to warn others of impending judgment and yet God's mercy in the midst of that judgment. Father, I thank you and I praise you for your word, the truth of your word. And Father, for anyone that's here today, that feels like they have not been living in a place that feels ready for Jesus' return, that today they can be ready. To simply acknowledge Jesus, I'm asking you today to forgive me of my sin. Be my Lord, be my Savior. Your word says that all of heaven rejoices when even one person comes to that place. Father, your mercy is still being extended. Your grace, your kindness, your patience is still being extended to mankind. But that time knows an end when sin will be judged in our world. Father, I pray today that we would live ready. Before we close our service today, if, if you say, Pastor, just pray for me. I'm, 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 I have some struggles in, in living like I'm ready for this. If that's you, just slip your hand up. I, I just want to be able to pray for you if that's you today. There may not be any, but yes. Yeah, you can put it down. Thank you. Father, we want to live ready. We want to live every day ready for Jesus' return. Father, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, it has been great to worship with you today. Thank you for being here. 
If you have any questions, uh, you know, about this time period, I'd love to chat with you uh, more on a personal level. Uh, Feel free to approach me. God bless you. Have a great day, and we will see you soon. Amen.